Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Good morning, brethren. Psalm 23 is many people's favorite because of the peace, the serenity, the trust, the calm that it conveys. Over the centuries, it has served so many people. It has dried up so many tears. It has stirred up the faith of so many and even ushered many into the Lord's eternal embrace at the moment of their death. But Psalm 23 is not isolated. It is part of a triad of Psalms and I think looking at them together is very, very important. Because when we look at them, look at Psalm 23 together with 22 and 24, it offers an amazing picture of Jesus Christ and his redeeming work. In Psalm 22, which is a psalm that begins with the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Lord is presented as the Good Shepherd, crucified, the Savior. As the psalms point to the cross and to the grace of God and His sacrifice for us. In Psalm 23, the Lord is presented as the great caring shepherd. So the image of the shepherd is carried on, but in a different way. The satisfier and the sound points to the shepherd's staff, his guidance and his daily care for us. In Psalm 24, the next psalm, the Lord is presented as the coming chief shepherd, the sovereign one, and the sound points to his crown, his glory, his eternal sovereignty. Now, these images are quite consistent with the way that Jesus Christ is presented in the New Testament and the way that these psalms describe him. But there is something I feel unique in all of this, however. Not only do these psalms speak about the Lord's people, but as it is quite evident in Psalm 22, which 
conveys us almost a, a view from Jesus' perspective on the cross. They speak about Jesus himself. Jesus who, being fully human, experienced all the challenges, all the pain, all the anguish with us and for us. He stands forever, not only as fully God, but also as fully human, the perfect human, our representative, our high priest. And so these Psalms are about him as our brother, as they are about us as his followers. So we're going to keep that in mind as we look at Psalm 23. Now the previous Psalm, Psalm 22, leaves us at the cross, with Jesus suffering for us, abandoned by the people, by everyone, basically, and trusting in God the Father. It ends, Psalm 22, with a proclamation of the glory of God and with a declaration that all people one day will remember His righteousness and what He has done for us. Psalm 23 is a short psalm, only six verses, but is rich and precious in what it contains. Verse 1 reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Notice the image, my shepherd, I shall not want. And if you look at the first two verses and the way they're worded, we can only conclude that the psalm is very relational. It's about relationship, and one relationship in particular, our relationship with God. It stresses the he and me relationship, indicating an intimate fellowship. Now, many scholars, because the fellowship indicated here in the psalm is so, is so close and so intimate, many scholars have asked the question of who can possibly claim that kind of relationship with the Lord. And many of them, unfortunately, seek to exclude people. But while they do that, Scripture tells us that His redemptive work accomplished in His death and resurrection calls us to trust Him and to enter into that personal relationship that He wants to have with us. And what is possible is not us and our efforts, but it is Him, the Lord Himself, just like a shepherd, and we follow His lead and we accept Him in that role. That implies, of course, a decision on our part as well. And it begs the question, have we acknowledged the Lord Jesus as our shepherd, our personal shepherd? It also says, I shall not want. The statement declares the assurance and the security that a child of God can find in him and only in him. You see, in him we don't lack anything of what we really need. In Him we find sufficiency, we find satisfaction, we find fulfillment. Notice the words that we use to describe that. Relational, intimate fellowship, trust, assurance, security, sufficiency, satisfaction, 
fulfillment. And as we remember those, as we look at them, think about Jesus, the perfect human on the cross, as the previous psalm pictures him. Where did he find these things in his hardest hours? Where did he find his strength, his assurance, his trust, his fellowship, when everyone seemed to have abandoned him to an excruciating death? And the answer is obvious. We know that he found it in God. He found it in the Father. And as such, he stands as a perfect example of the importance of our intimate fellowship with God especially as we face our most difficult times. So Jesus stands before us, opening the way for us, so that in him we may enter into that awesome, amazing, eternal relationship that we are created to have with the Father. But let's read verse 2 now. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's an illustration with great meaning. Because sheep that are hungry will not lay down for anything. So the picture of sheep laying down in green pastures is a clear symbol of fullness, satisfaction, as well as rest. So far from being a burden, or limited us in any way, our relationship with God is actually the richest thing that we can possibly have in this life and for eternity. The image implies that nothing is lacking. That is perfect satisfaction and security to be found in the Lord. That is what Jesus stated, he, he himself, in John 6.35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Well, of course, you might think in, in this life sometimes we lack certain things. Perhaps. But we don't lack what is necessary for our eternity. And when the fullness of God's redemption comes, when we experience the fullness of our inheritance in Him, the glory and, and all things would be in such abundance that I think it would be just overwhelming. But our calling now is not to escape our challenges, but to come to the Lord in full trust as to a loving God who is the perfect, great, and caring shepherd, just like Jesus did in his most difficult hour. Verse 3. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice again that statement, he restores my soul. Think of Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the only perfect human who took upon himself all of our sins and made himself sin for us. Now meet him on the cross as he is paying that horrible price for us. 
His soul is melting within him as he's poured out like water. And his bones are all out of joint, as the previous psalm points out. Where? Where does he find hope in such a desperate time? He finds that hope in the fact that the Father guides him in the path of righteousness. His strength is that of a righteous one who lovingly gave himself for sinners. David knew his flaws, just as we do. We're all like, and I can see old David remembering his years as a shepherd, we're all like a lost sheep that has strayed from the flock. Dirty, scared, lonely, lost. But the Lord, as a great shepherd that he is, he finds us, he cleanses us, he cleans us, he restores us, he, he brings us back into the path of his own righteousness, which he shares with us. And, as it says in here, he takes it personally, doing it for his own namesake, because that is who he is, a gracious and merciful Lord and a caring shepherd. Verse 4, Even though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Notice that statement, I fear no evil, for you are with me. You know, brethren, life can be scary. But here we find courage and comfort. No matter what life has in store for us, good or, or, or bad as it may be, we all know that our time in, in, in this life is just fleeting away. It's like ticking away every moment. We all live in the shadow of death. And that can often be scary indeed. So where do we find the comfort when things in life frighten us? Once again, let's meet Jesus on the cross because he's our perfect example. No one more than him felt the dreadful shadow of death. Think about it. He, the very source of all life, being willing to experience death, to make us free, to give us life. How dreadful, though, that must have been for him. But even so, he would fear no evil. Why? Because, again, he trusted in the Father. In his guidance, we find the comfort and the trust that he had as well. Picture, picture a little child who has to face something that he's afraid of. But daddy is right there next to him, holding his hand, and all of a sudden, everything is fine. Why? Because dad is with me. He guides me, he keeps me in the right path, and he protects me. And that's what comforts us, our heavenly dad. Verse 5, 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. You prepare a table before me. Here the illustration seems to shift from a, a pastoral scene to a banquet. And once again, let's meet Jesus on that cross. Scripture reminds us that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. That joy is our redemption. As he looks forward to sharing that great banquet, that wedding of the Lamb with all of us as well, and with you too. And while the devil thought he had, he had struck a deadly blow to God's plan, in reality, in reality, he had just lost the ultimate war. Because in Jesus, God won the battle against death itself, and against all evil, and against sin. So that joy of that intimate fellowship with us, that, that, that motivated Jesus, is represented by that banquet. But the wedding banquet of the Lord served and enjoyed despite what the enemy thought he could do against it. Yes, it marks the ultimate defeat of evil and the ultimate blessing for all of us in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But that is another statement there. You have anointed my head with oil. That man on the cross looking weak, defeated, despised. In the words of a Roman centurion, was indeed the Son of God. He was and is indeed not only the king of the Jews, but the king of all. What seemed to be a defeat was in reality a triumphal victory. And in him, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, we find immense glory and an everlasting kingdom that he shares with us. As he anoints us with them to be together with him forever and to rule with him forever. Finally, let's look at verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness, loving kindness, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. You see, this life was not Jesus' permanent dwelling and it's not ours either. In John chapter 14 and verses 2 and 3, notice what Jesus promised. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that there were, that where I am, there you may be also. Notice how beautiful that statement is. It, it reflects what Jewish people used to do when they were engaged to be married. The bridegroom would, would promise to his future bride a place to be, 
And then he will go and build often an extension in the father's house for him and his bride. And then when that was ready, he would then return to his bride, take her as his wife, and they would live in the father's house, in that extension that he had built, in the place that he had prepared for her for the rest of their lives. And that's the image that we find Jesus using for us, looking forward in to ours, dwelling with him in the house of the Lord forever, as the psalm says. So brethren, if you haven't yet done so, make your decision today. Let the Lord be your shepherd, your personal shepherd, your individual shepherd, because he loves you individually, personally, as he does all of us. In him you will find assurance, you will find rest and restoration and guidance, you'll find courage, fellowship, comfort, provision, satisfaction, not just in this present life, but forever. What we have seen here means that the Lord has set the path for us, all the way from those green pastures to the house of the Father. His glory has been given to us, to you, and the Lord has set the path for you as well. And he modeled it. He modeled it for all of us. And just as he modeled it in his life, he can also live it and make it all a reality in us today as well. So let us let him be our great and caring shepherd as well. God bless you. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. song again whatever may
sing like never before oh my soul i worship your holy name i worship your holy name god i worship your Every day, as we come to the setting of the sun and our eyes behold the evening light, may we sing your praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised, O Son of God, O giver of life. Your glory fills the whole world. <laughs> 